Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Speaking of Arkansas podcast. I appreciate you joining us today. I'm Greg Harton, the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and I am here today with Rusty Turner, our editor. It's good to be with you, Greg. Yeah, glad to have you here. Uh, Today, why don't we talk about the Cultural Arts District, which is a term I've never heard uh, except uh, within the last couple of years about what Fayetteville is doing. Well, Greg, I'm as you know, uh, four months ago, this, the citizens of Fayetteville voted uh, to approve $226 million in bonds for improvements, various improvements around the city. That included $32 million for this arts corridor that we're talking about today. Um, the idea is to connect the cultural institutions in Fayetteville that are, that are downtown near Dixon Street with this corridor uh, to create a, a location or a, or a venue for for arts uh, and entertainment. Yeah, Fayetteville's got a lot of arts-oriented organizations. There's the Walton Arts Center, uh, Theater Square just built a brand new um, uh, theater uh, building there south of the Walton Arts Center. The Fayetteville Public Library is uh, on the south end of this. Uh, The University of Arkansas has its planned art and design district, which the Wingate Charitable Foundation gave them $40 million to develop and that's just across Martin Luther King Boulevard um, and a little bit to the west of uh, this corridor. Uh, so, you know, we're talking about a huge uh, project that uh, is really going to tie all this together nicely. Uh, but uh, the city leaders really want this to be a, an attraction unto itself, not just a connector. Uh, that's right. They envision uh, people traveling from all over the region partake of the events and the, and the activities going on down here, and uh, it's quite an investment of, of both time and money to determine exactly what's going to go there and what's going to be happening there once the project's complete. So, like I say, I had never really heard of an arts corridor, uh, at least defined that way before, but in this case, uh, we've got on the south end, down by the library, we've got the Faye Jones Woods uh, just to the west. Uh, the Razorback Greenway runs through there. Uh, it's, an, it's a beautiful wooded area that the city uh, is uh, going to begin construction on in 2020 uh, to really turn that into an ecological uh, classroom of sorts or showcase. Uh, and uh, then uh, you've got uh, the replacement parking uh, that comes before the work on the civic space, uh, which the civic space, which is you know, not a very descriptive term, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but the, uh, that's going to be there at the corner of West and Dixon, which is where that big parking lot is, uh, just to the west of the Walton Arts Center. Greg, there are very few pieces of property around downtown Fable that have, that have generated more discussion than that parking lot on West Avenue. It's uh, um, there was a great controversy over that when they first built the Walton Arts Center. The area there was, some people called it a nature area, some people called it a drainage ditch, uh, <laughs> but it was eventually developed into a parking lot that's been quite useful uh, over the years. The merchants, especially down on Dixon Street, are concerned about what's going to happen if that parking lot's not there anymore. The city responded to that by, by saying that they're going to build a parking garage near the same location to account for the the number of spaces that will be lost when when that area is converted into the civic space. Right, so there's a, a lot going on with this project, a lot going on with arts and arts education in Fayetteville. So uh, we wanted to talk with Molly Ron, who is the executive director of the Fayetteville Advertising and Promotion Commission. But more importantly for this uh, 
uh, podcast, she is the basically in the lead role in this effort to develop programming for the Arts Corridor, and we wanted to talk about what that means, and we uh, had the opportunity to interview Molly a little earlier today. As I mentioned, Molly is Executive Director of the Fayetteville Advertising and Promotion Commission, sometimes known as Experience Fayetteville. Today, though, we're primarily interested in her lead role in developing the programming elements for the Cultural Arts Corridor. Thanks for being here, Molly. Thank you for having me. First, Molly, how did you get involved in this whole effort in terms of the programming for the, the Arts Corridor? Well, I'm glad you asked that. So I've been in this role with Experience Fayetteville and the Fayetteville Advertising and Promotion Commission for um, almost exactly three years. It was three years last week. And a little over a year ago, um, I believe it was May of 2018, um, my staff and I were looking more um, into a concept called destination development. And um, I won't... uh, we could have another podcast about what that is <laughs> if you're interested, but just the the, the long and short of it is um, tourism bureaus and destination marketing organizations across the country are thinking more and more about not just promoting their city, but also, um, for lack of a better word, being engaged in making their city more promotable. So there was this, um, you know, the you've heard the phrase, you know, heads and beds, and about that's what tourism is associated with, and it's bringing people in, you know, putting them in a hotel, getting them back out. One of the things that, um, I think in response to this concept that happens in some cities where people say, you know, it's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. So I think kind of the backlash against that in the tourism industry is people are realizing that great places to live are great places to visit. And if you have a place that is great to live, it can be a great place to visit. And so um, as we are right around the time we were exploring that concept about like, what can we do to not only do a better job talking about Fayetteville, but also making Fayetteville a place that is great to be talked about. um, We found out, um, you know, what the city was doing. The grant at that time from the Walton Family Foundation to do the design of the corridor had already come through. And I was invited to go to um, tour a couple of cities um, as we were selecting an architect, or pardon me, as the city was selecting its architect to work on this project. And so myself, along with Connie Edmondson, who's the um, director of the Fayetteville Parks and Recreation Department, um, Don Marr, who's the city, uh, Don Marr, who is the city's chief of staff, that is a little bit of a tongue twister, and Peter Nierengarten, who um, is the city's environmental director, who had already at that point um, been named as sort of the person that would lead the design, um, um, invited me to go and look from a, um, tourism perspective at just the different examples. Um, we, um, one of the most, that's what sticks out in my mind that we toured was City Garden in St. Louis. Um, and we can talk more about that in a bit, but, um, I learned a lot on that trip about what these spaces could mean for tourism and, so I didn't know that if that was just going to be the end of it. I gave input, and then that was sort of it. And then the more and more that I went to steering committee meetings and, and read about it and heard about the project, the more I became aware of um, what are we going to do with this place once it's open. And we need to start thinking about that now. And um, I, I don't want to drone on too long and not get to your question. So let sure. me uh, let me know the, if I answered you're, it sufficiently. You're essentially... Or, it sounds to me like you're saying that the that 
instead of being um, just promoting what the city already has, you're talking about actually getting involved in what the city has. Absolutely. To to then turn around and promote. Right. And this this arts corridor, which you mentioned the Walton Family Foundation, uh, I think it was $1.8 million, I think, for that the design. granted for the design before there was ever a bond issue vote or anything like that. So we, we got that design. We're able to, to take a look at that, and then the public uh, voted. Um, but, but this is really going to be space that is, um, you know, incredible physical space right. and that's what the vote was about the money right. to actually create that was to build it but but then um, we're not talking about just kind of gully park where where it's passive sort of uh, uh, activity most of the time even though they have the concert series um, you're, you're talking about a, a park-like setting and trails and all that that actually have activities going on in the different spaces and I think that's what we're really trying to trying to get to yeah so i think one of the things that i and you can tell me if this answers that or not because i i have this conversation with a lot of people and i think one of the misconceptions about what i'm trying to do and about the project as a whole is that not everybody has the same reference for what the word programming means right so when i say programming i mean one thing in my head but you may mean something different and you know somebody down the street may mean something entirely different. And so I kind of want to put that to, to rest as much as I can to say that for most people, when you say programming, they think about ticketed, structured events, or maybe they're even free events, but they think about something like a Gully Park concert series, mm-hmm. it's a program, or they think about a, um, a, a festival that you're gonna go to like the Pride Parade or like Bikes, Blues and Barbecue, or a concert or something you might see where you, you know, you go in advance, you see it on the calendar, you buy your ticket and then you plan it. I believe that this civic space will have some of that. I do not think that that is the bulk of that or the majority of that at all. So, um, and so I think that's an important distinction because I think that people's, you know, colloquially use the term programming and they think about these organized and structured things, which are important and which play a role, but just as important, and I might even argue more important, are how does the space just exist on a regular basis? How is it open, you know, you, you don't live, you know, you're, you don't work that far from it to where if you wanted to walk down there and have lunch one day and just sit on a bench and sit outside and enjoy it. Um, that to me, you still have to program that space for that purpose. And I know that seems odd, um, because there's this mentality of, oh, well, you just build it and that just happens naturally. And and it it doesn't. You, you have to think about the end user and what experience you want them to have. Um, and parks planners know this, right? When they plan a park, they, they build it in such a way that where they know it will be inviting and where they know that people will use it. And we're just trying to do the same thing. So for, for, for regular, all of the time, organic, I'm using the word organic, meaning things that happen naturally and, mm-hmm. and that aren't structured, no one's planning them, and then also for those structured things and figuring out what the balance of that is, right? That, that question needs to be answered. I mean, what do we want out of this? Is it, you can't see me making air quotes in a podcast, is it capital <laughs> P programming special events ticketed all the time? Well, I, I don't want that. That's not my expectation. I don't think that's the um, city's expectation. I don't think that was the voters' expectation. We want this to be accessible all the time. But is it also space that never has a special event that just sits there all the time? I don't think that's what we want either. So we have to figure out some sort of mix and parameter around that 
we can't just assume it'll happen on its own. And so that's what I think about when I think about programming is almost just as much the non-programming. So the... If that made any sense. It does. If if you listen to a lot of conversation that's happened so far, the word I've heard really often, transformational. Mm. And I think that came from the... I I, I think that came from the architects. But, um, uh, but, so, you know, if you just build a park, Mm -hmm. a physical space... That's nice. Sure. I'm I'm trying to understand. Okay, what what changes this from a park to a transformational, transformational. Uh, uh, kind of destination right. for downtown Fayetteville? Um, right. In in a way that in your in your day job, <laughs> you know you you not only want Fayetteville people to to come and be a part yep. of that, you want people from Fort Smith, from Tulsa, from you know just. Yep all over to come here and um, to actually count that as part of the reason that they are coming here. Um, so so let's drill down a little bit in terms of, of um, you mentioned going down there to, to take your lunch uh, and, and, and kind of the thinking around that. Um, I, I assume that's kind of a design issue of, of well, but, you know, where are we going to have benches? Where are we going to, are we going to have tables? Are we, those sorts of things. Um, I guess my thought on programming, my perhaps misunderstanding of it, was that we were talking about everything that happened once it was built. Right. Uh, but it sounds like you guys are consulting about what the physical space looks like. Um, but then I also want to talk about, okay, when you talk about the everyday programming, um, you know, are we talking arts stuff or are we just talking about how humans engage in that space? Um, both. So sure. I think you said a, that really well said and you brought up a lot of things I want to speak to. And one of which is, you know, that word transformational. Talk about setting the bar high. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and what me, you know, transformational to whom, right? I mean, what feels transformational to me? Does that feel transformational to the broad, broader community? Is that even the word we should be using? What I will say is that um, this civic space, because I also want to talk about, you know, the, the, the civic space versus the Faye Jones Woods versus this whole corridor, whatever you call it, this whole endeavor, so to speak. Um, I lost my train of thought. I completely lost it. Do you ever do that? What was that? I, I was on I, I, such a roll of like... Um, you... Uh, let me jot what down. was I talking about? Uh, talking about how you use the word transformation. Transformation and, the, and that you use the, yes. Yeah, the, my multifaceted so, right. question. So this this um, <laughs> yeah, there were a lot, there were a lot. I think yes, there were like six. Sorry about so that, that. No, no, it's okay. So this cultural arts corridor, you know, does not exist in a vacuum. So it is not as if this is the only thing happening happening in Fayetteville. You know, you um, mentioned the university's art and design district expanding where they're expanding. Um, you know, that is happening. There is a huge, um, you know, there's a, a, a development happening, um, you know, in the mill district right now. The planning commission last night, I believe, just approved um of course, I don't know when this aired, if you're not necessarily listening, but, you know, yesterday, August 12th, yeah. just approved um, a new temporary for a live music space in, in, in Prairie Street. So mm-hmm. all of these things are happening at once. I mean, we're hosting a world championship cyclocross tournament in 2022 that is expected to bring in 10 to 15,000 spectators. So all of these things are happening at once. So is the arts corridor in and of itself transformational or is it part of this 
wealth of things that are happening in Fayetteville, you know, the Walton Art Center continues to get, you know, better and better and bring in more and more excellent programming. Theater Square just opened. I mean, they just cut the ribbon last week. You know, world-class, um, uh, locally produced original theater. I think all of that together is like a soup of things that, that will be transformational. So I think that's just important to think about when we think about how does it transform. Sure. And I, and I agree with that to an extent. But then again, we were, we as voters were asked to spend $32 million sure. on the civic space and well, the trail and the Faye Jones Woods. And the parking. And, 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 so part of that and, 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 was for the replacement. And Because and, we already had Walton Arts Center. We already had right. Theater Squared. We already, yeah. uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, yes, you're right. The the uh, the architects and the, the, the promoters of this have certainly set the bar high. Right. And as they should. Um, I mean, they, and, and it is a high bar. Um, and if it weren't a high bar, why would it be worth I mean, it, we wouldn't be coming to you asking for that amount of investment if it wasn't a high bar. Um, I think I got lost because you had another question in there that you asked. Well, we were talking about uh, the transformational aspects of it. Um, so in working on this, you have been working with the, the architects to essentially look at the physical space and the programming in conjunction with that as far as what the physical space needs to serve the various needs that... that uh, uh, the city might have or the city's residents might have or the visitors might have in terms of just going down there to have a lunch or uh, going down there to play their guitar uh, for people or um, those sorts of things. But I, and I guess in my uh, way of thinking, the programming aspect of this, um, I kind of thought of it as starting right after construction was completed and then you um, kind of like the programming for the Walton Arts Center. Well, there, sure. there wasn't really programming going on when it was being built, but the sure. programming started once it was constructed. So is um, uh, it, it sounds like you're, you're doing a, a little bit of both of that, but the ongoing process mm. is going to be after it's built, what the programming is going to look like. And I think people have kind of had a hard time understanding Got it. how you program a park sure. and a trail yeah. and that sort of thing. That that makes sense and I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak to it because I don't think that your interpretation of it, I, I don't think what you just described is uncommon. I mean, I think that that's probably very standard. What I will tell you, since you brought the Walton Art Center up as an example of that, yes, once it was built or, or renovated, and, and maybe because Theater Squared is new that that's the, you know, the, the they moved into their new facility, I think the same thing applies. Yes, the programming capital PU programming, the plays, the productions did not start until they opened. But I can promise you there were numerous people on staff planning for that programming before that place was built. They had an education director. They had a director of public programming. They had a director of outreach. All doing that work well before a patron ever bought a ticket or ever stepped foot in the building. In my most recent experience at the Scott Family an Amazium, we had a director of education and a director of exhibits two and a half years before ground broke. Not before we opened, but before ground broke. Planning for what that experience, that visitor experience would look like. And so I think maybe a way to think about it is, it is not just what I'm gonna call the operations of it, like who operates the space when it is open, it is making the decisions about who was gonna do that. So questions about, is there going to be art in the space? Is there going to be public art in the space? How much public art? Is it sculpture? Are there surfaces for murals? 
Who decides that? We have to decide that. Is there going to be a concert? I'm making this up. This is hypothetical to kind of paint a picture and give an example. Is there going to be a concert every single night? Is that going to compete with George's? Is that something we should consider? Should we talk to them about it? Um, you know, this is a taxpayer built space. Does that mean everything we do in there needs to be free? Because that's really important that we make it accessible for the people that paid for this. What's that percentage look like? Or is it all free all the time? These are all questions we have to ask. And so it is as much about making those decisions so that when it is built, someone is able to come in and operate and program that effectively. And I want to be really, really clear that that might not be my organization. The city, the, you know, the, that, that might not be the outcome, but we want to lay that groundwork so that someone can come in and do it, so that someone can come in and operate it and have a plan for it um, and have a plan for the operations of it. Is it going to need to be staffed? And, and is, I have as many, if not more, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and just go out on a limb and say more questions about how this space interact or how people interact with this space and how it's operated and what it's called and who maintains it and how much it costs as anyone does. So let's not make it seem like this is the Molly Ron Arts Corridor. Right. It you is know, absolutely I mean, not. So who sure. who is involved in making these asking these questions and making these decisions? Who sure. are you working with? Got it. That's a great question. So the um, project design team has um, three leads. So Wade Abernathy, um, and I want to apologize in advance if I get city titles incorrect. Wade Abernathy is in charge of facilities for the city. And so he is sort of the, not sort of, he is the point person for the construction part of this project. Peter Nierengarden, who is an engineer by trade and who is the city's environmental director or director of environmental services. I probably need to go back to the website and check that title, is the lead point person on the design. Um, and then myself, um, through a resolution passed at the city council level, am the point person interfacing with um, designers and consultants when it comes to thinking about building for the programming. Um, there is a technical advisory committee at the city that meets every other week, I believe, um, and involves um, a representative from, you know, Chris Brown, who's the city's engineer, um, people from water, people um, in IT, um, the parks department, everybody that has an expertise that meets and has a conference call with these designers to make sure, you know, from every perspective, Matt Mihalovich, who's the city's trails director or director of trails, it, 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 sometimes titles are funny, um, who's the city's tra trails director, you know, he's going to be the person that talks to the architect about trail connections and how we need to think about trail connections and the grading and expanding of the trail. So it is a big team of people. And then in addition to that, there is a steering committee that has been meeting since the architect was selected, so for well over a year, and that is made up of someone from Theater Squared, someone from the City Council, someone from the Fayetteville Arts Council, someone from the Walton Arts Center, um, someone from the League of Women Voters, because it was their gift to the city that made the Faye Jones Woods possible. Um, David Johnson, the executive director of the um, Fayetteville Public Library. So he weighs in, and because he has you know, an important, um, important insight to the Faye Jones Woods in particular, because this is right against, you know, his prop, not his, the, the library's yeah. property. Yeah. If I say his yeah. property, I'm saying that collo colloquially, our property, right? The, the libraries and the publics. Um, 
So this is absolutely a big group of people, and we've just started. Um, we are not done, and we haven't um, reached out to everyone we need to reach out to when it comes to programming. I mean, everyone has an opinion about what they want to see in the space. But that, um, that steering committee sounds like the kind of group that would be more focused on the programming than on, like you were talking about, the technical aspects that the city staff people are involved right. in. Right. So. I mean, I think it is both. I mean, I think that steering committee, yes, you are absolutely right. They are um, involved in the programming and the uh, public engagement. But there are also people not on that steering committee, um, individual artists, um, that have a, a, a say as they should and have a passion for the arts and, and, and have a vision of what they want to see this space become. And I think it's important that we talk to them. So, but by no means... Um, do I ever want to make it sound like it's the Molly Ron show? I mean, I met just yesterday with the Dixon Street Merchants. Um, this, obviously, they are a key stakeholder in, in this process. And Joe Fennell has been a champion of the project. Um, but, um, you know, Carl Collier's been on Dixon Street a long time. And so he has an opinion that I value and that I know the city values deeply when we think about you know, their concerns, safety, security. What does this mean for the police officers that are regularly on Dixon Street? Do we need more of them? I mean, those are all, um, it's a big project. It is. So I hear you describe, you know, how you're going about planning this and I'm, and I'm trying to get my mind around it and think of something similar I might have seen in another city or another town. And, and the thing that comes to mind most is the gathering place over in Tulsa, mm. uh, which is a big, uh, for those people who don't know, it's a, it's a big park development that's just recently opened. Lots of different things going on in, in a large space. So I, I don't think we're talking about what's happening in Fayetteville on the same scale, but it, it seems like the kind of place you're trying to create where 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 people can come and, and do a myriad of different things uh, on their own uh, and, and, and just engage with other folks. Is, is, am I on the right track there? Are we, is, is that the kind of, kind of thing we're looking at? So the gathering space is, um, the gathering, pla yeah, the gathering place um, is an incredible space. Um, I have seen pictures of it. I have not visited. I'm so jealous of my friends that have gotten to go. Um, and I hear that used a lot, Rusty, as a comparison. I will say that the budget for the gathering place is, I, I believe, it's an order of magnitude larger, oh, what yeah. Tulsa put into it. I mean, I, I, I am, you know, hesitant to quote a number because I'm likely wrong, but I think it is something akin to like maybe you know, a hundred million oh, versus twenty million. I mean, it, it's it's an enormous space. Yes, and, and, an, and we're yes. and we're not talking about the same square footage. Right. Uh, yes. So uh, I, I think some of the vision and ideas and kind of hopes for what a space could be are probably similar. I think that it would be a uh, it would be um, I can't think of the word that I was going to use. You know, not uh, probably not wise for someone to go and put eyes on right. that place and think, oh, that's what we're getting right. here. Yes. Um, but I think that concept in general of like a place where people can gather, sure, that's the same. One of the things that I um, think about when an, another, a good corollary is a city garden in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. um, the landscape architects, Nelson Bergwaltz, who are, who is, who are designing the, our space um, in Fayetteville designed that space and they um, did it um, in advance. I believe that St. Louis was going to have a World Series. 
they wanted it. The city of St. Louis said, like, we need this finished before. I'll quit tapping on the desk. I'm sorry. <laughs> we we need the, very emphatically. The city of St. Louis said we need this online and we need this, yeah. you know, done quickly um, in order to, you know, welcome all these people that'll be coming for an event like that. Um, I have visited several times, um, and I think it's a great. It's one of the best examples that I know of nearby um, to think about as sort of similarity. Okay, and and I didn't mean to suggest that that you're going to try to replicate what happened in Tulsa here because it's two different communities and 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 certainly two different two different locations. But I'm like I said, trying to get my head around what what the goal is. It seems like it seems like that is the kind of space you're looking for. Is that is that you can have ticketed event or uh, scheduled events. I won't mm-hmm. say ticket events, but mm-hmm. you can have scheduled events and you can have big pre p programming like. Uh, like concerts and Shakespeare in the Park and that sort of thing, but you can also just have general space that people can share and do a myriad of different other things. So right. So I think in that respect, it's a, um, a, a good a good example. I, I'm going to say something that I think is probably going to be surprising, um, and you touched on it because you asked me. Um, you know, is that kind of the goal? And I think that's a really good question because I don't know that we have fully defined the goal. And I think that's part of what I'm doing is asking that question, what is the goal? Um, and let's get some consensus on that. I mean, I think if this were a private project, you do all of that groundwork before and then you figure out what the goal is and, you know, the vision statement for the space and what its mission is. And then you get it all wrapped up and then you release it to the public and it's this great shiny thing. We, for very good reason, um, you know, that's not how, you know, you operate in a public space because we are asking you, um, you know, metaphorically you, but also individually, literally you two, to invest in this. And so a lot of it is happening um, out in public where it's a harder, um, you know, this level of detail on the front end um, and before a space is built, thinking about programming is not uncommon. I think it's just uncommon in that it's not something the city has done a lot of. I think, uh, you know, some of the programming, uh, I guess, preconceived notions of programming have um, to some extent come because of the experience of Bike Blues and Barbecue uh, down there oh, where right. you, you you do have live concerts. Uh, yeah. You and, and it's my understanding that Bikes, Blues and Barbecue would will still be utilizing space uh, for their uh, event down there. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but uh, uh, so I'm assuming that, that we are talking about, particularly in that civic space there on the, uh, what I call the Walton Arts Center parking lot. Right. Other people call it other things. But um, that, that that will actually have a space where concerts can happen. Not necessarily every week, or <laughs> but but they can. It is preliminary designs and the way it's being designed uh, are with the goal to be able to accommodate larger festivals. Um, and we've heard you know some feedback from festival organizers that they say, oh, that space as designed is absolutely sufficient. I could hold my festival there. It's going to work perfectly. You know, feedback from others will say, oh, that's not going to be large enough or, you know, this water feature is placed in the wrong place and you're going to have to move that or I wouldn't be able to have my festival. Um, You know, and so I think we're kind of wrestling with that input of, okay, how do we get this where it serves the needs of of everyone? Um, 
is there going to be AV? Is there not going to be AV? What kind of AV is there going to be? Audiovisual. Yes, audiovisual. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. What kind of power are we going to run? You know, mm-hmm. if we're going to have food trucks pull up. Do we need two twenty? I mean, like all of those from this very top level. What is the goal of this space? What is our vision? What is its purpose? What are we going to call it? Because we haven't even touched on that yet. All the way down to the like, do we need room for porta potties? Where are people going to go to the restroom? And where do I plug in and out? You know, where are the outlets? And everything in between are things that we are figuring out. And so I just want to be careful that while I am dedicated and committed to helping us get to those answers, I really see that as my role as a facilitator. I am not at all trying to position the Advertising and Promotion Commission, um, though I do think we have a skill set that is unique and that is well suited to, um, to do this kind of work. I'm also not trying to say that we're the end-all, be-all, or that we sure. have all of the sure. answers, because sure. we want to help people find them. So let's talk about the other end of the corridor, the Faye Jones Woods, which is just west of, of the library. Um, it, it That sounds like it is not um, at all like the, the civic space on the northern end of it, it that it is much more of a natural experience um, and, and and as I understand it is is there's some design work going into that to try to celebrate the ecology uh, right. to uh, to perhaps become a kind of an outdoor classroom of sorts mm-hmm. uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that and in terms of what what the discussion looks like in terms of air quotes programming programming yeah uh, the down there. okay um, I um, I am personally really, really excited about the Faye Jones Woods. I think it has not been, it has not uh, garnered as much attention as the civic space. And so I think um, in some ways it's going to be such a wonderful, um, it, it hasn't taken up most of the conversation, um, largely because it didn't have an impact on the parking that the civic space did. And so I think that there are people that have kind of, I don't want to say forgotten about it, but when I talk to people about the Faye Jones Woods, the common, most common reaction I hear is like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And I don't think that's uncommon. Sure. Um, it is, um, you know, this wood, beautiful wooded area that people have not had access to, that the landscape architects are basically working to unearth. Um, and so programming and design, the conversations that we're having about the Faye Jones Woods are more along the lines of um, what type of events would we want to hold there? Really, I said the word events, that was not a good word, that conjures up something. You know, the spaces, we're calling them rooms in quotes, it's all outdoor. The little nooks or little cutout spaces that are in the Faye Jones Woods are very small. Woods itself is six acres. The spaces that are cut out for sort of some interpretive work or like a field trip or a classroom, on the small end, you know, maybe five people could fit there. If it's little kids at the library, maybe that's 10 because they're smaller to maybe you know, like a group of 20 people. They're, they are small spaces. And so obviously the programming of the type thing that happens there is very, very different. You're not going to have a large concert there. Um, what you might have, though, is a group of kids in a reading group from the library that come out there to, to read or to bird watch or to look at, um, you know, I might bring my, my daughter's in Girl Scouts, so I might bring her Girl Scout troop there and we might, you know, try to identify, that's one of the badges, you know, identify some of the flowers. That's the type of thing that I think will happen um, um, at the woods. I'm not hearing that there is this big push to have sort of organized and scheduled things there, but it's a more of an organic space that 
you know, people can. And, and they're talking about potentially having um, kind of a walkway through there that gets right. you close to the yes. Yeah, so foliage the, without damaging the right. foliage. Right. I will use, you know, and, and if my if the city's like construction and architecture team are listening to this, they'll probably cringe with the, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll use like lay people language and, and they can roll their eyes. But, you know, like an elevated trail, walkway, bridge, kind of winding, meandering through the woods. Um so that people can see it within some spots where you can go down and um, the stream that they're daylighting, they call it daylighting or unearthing, um, where you can walk down and, and, and be near it and play near it with sort of some natural seating. So like it's rock formations and areas that you can sit upon, um, possibly some benches as well. A lot of the design conversations about that are things like what material do we use you know, for the bridge? Do we have a way to where that can be lit up at night? Do we want to integrate art? So where I come in with programming to take the long way around, Greg, um, is thinking about, do we integrate art into those trails? So are the posts alongside of the trails, are they lit with LEDs? Are they, do they have a design etched out? Is the wayfinding signage um, artistic in some way? We're talking about that. How do we honor, you know, somebody brought up a great point at the steering committee, and forgive me for not knowing who it was, that how do we honor Faye Jones? And so is there signage or and a story about the woods that we put on a sign somewhere that talks about Faye Jones and his legacy? Um, you know, do you have, you go to sometimes nature areas like this and they, or state parks, and they've got different, you know, signage sort of up in the trees that talks about what natural habitat to look for, what bird to look for, what, you know, species of plant to look for. Um, tells about the ecology. So programming and design in that sense is really what um, we're looking at at the, at, the, at the woods. You know, and how do we plan for the future? You know, how do we plan for Wi-Fi? Is that important? How do we get it in there? Um, what kind of lighting do we, you know, because one of the questions we're asking is if we are going to have, um, I'll just use a real small example. Let's say we decide that, you know, public art really needs to be a part of the Faye Jones Woods. We're going to put a sculpture there. Well, that sculpture is likely going to need to be lit. Where are we going to put it so we know where to put the lighting? Because we we have to make, or they, I guess I should say, construction and architects have to make those decisions now. What do you want to be able to light in the future so that Programming-wise, if you decide that, okay, there's going to be pieces of sculpture here, we don't want to be limited. Oh, you can't put them there because there aren't lights. You can't put them there because they're not safe. Sure. Yeah. So um, the corridor effectively ends at Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, um, but but there is that University of Arkansas Uh campus, I guess you would say, that they're developing down there. Um, a, A lot of very much talk about how this interacts with that um yes there is um a lot of talk about how this interacts with that um probably needs to be more i think more conversations are you know almost almost always better um they um the school of art has recently hired a new director um who, who I have not met, but um, Jeannie Hewlin, who was their interim director, as well as the person that was interim while she was out of the country working on her work, have been coming to the steering committee meetings. Um, I know they have met with um, the architecture team. I have met with them. I know they've met with city staff um, thinking about that. So, so the cultural arts corridor boundary, just so that, because I, I realize people may not know this, um, 
the Design Excellence Grant from the Walton Family Foundation that was to pay for the design, you don't have to have a boundary. And so the Cultural Arts Corridor is the boundary. And if you've seen it on a map, you know where the boundary is. Um, I don't I don't want people to put too much um, stock in the, the Cultural Arts Corridor is the name of the grant proposal. It's, it's how we identify the area. I don't think that necessarily means that um, in 15 years we want people talking about the Cultural Arts Corridor and, and that those boundaries will remain significant. I mean, you know, we needed it named because you know you need clarity. Um, you need clarity on the ballot. You need people to be able to know what specifically they're paying for. But really, it's a it's a it's a woodland area, the Jones Woods, and then it's a Civic Plaza that probably needs to be called something other than the Civic Space because that doesn't excite anyone. Right. Hey, yeah. let's go down yeah. to the Civic Space. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't identify right at, at, in the least kind of what what's at there. All. And so I think that's an opportunity that. Um, is again a part of programming of like let's name that let's name that something and brand that in some way yeah I, and i you you alluded to this a little earlier but there are an awful lot of practical things to think about uh in addition to where to put the lighting and where to put the bathrooms and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and that's you know security and yes. and keeping the park or keeping the civic space uh, a place that that's welcoming and open to everyone uh so um you know how are you approaching that or how is how is the group that, that's working on this approaching um assuring the local merchants and residents that uh, yeah this is going to be a safe space and it's going to be a place that that, that people are going to want to come so i want to think about that and, and make sure i'm answering because you're yeah. the first part of your question is because there's making sure it's the place people want to come, but really yeah. you're asking about safety, yes, right? And correct. about keeping it safe. Yes, um, and that's something that in the one of the sessions that we had, this not that we had the that the city had. I want to want to be clear. People listening can't see my hand gestures. One of the the community input mm-hmm. sessions that the city hosted. That was something that I heard come up. Um, in like two or three different ones. And it's something that I have heard the Dixon Street merchants bring up when I have met with them. And so I know it is on um, the minds of people in our community as it should be. Um, I know it's on um, the, the mayor's mind and city staff's mind of like, you know, first and foremost, we have to keep people safe and make sure that we have the resources to do that. So I know that um, they are um, having, that the city is having conversations with the chief of police, Chief Tabor, to talk about how we, um, what the plan is for that. But I don't know that, I think a lot of that comes into the operations plan. I think a lot of that has to be determined once the decision is made about who's going to operate it, who is going to be, I don't like the phrase in charge, but I think it's really, it's efficient. It's a tidy phrase. I think everybody knows what we mean when we say in charge, who is going to be in charge of that space. who, whose job is it to make sure um, that, right, well, I'll just, I'll just stop there. I, I think those are good questions. I don't know what the um, operations plan is yet. That is one of the things that Nelson Bird Waltz, the landscape architects designing it, one of the things they're scoped to do is they have a subcontractor, um, and I'm escaping, the and, um, 
escaping on the name of the firm that does this. And their role is to provide an operations plan to the city, uh, operations and maintenance. This is what we think it'll take to operate. This is what we think it'll take to maintain how many trash cans, how many headcount. Um, and one of those things will be, and this is what we think is going to take to secure it, secure it is my understanding. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So, so any thoughts on who's in charge? Mm, um, well, I think it depends. And I think it depends on um, what aspect, I mean, who's, you know, what aspect of who's in charge of what. Um, I think that we have the right people in the room and the right organizations talking about that, that I'm confident that the decision they make will be one that um, is best for our city and for the public sure. at large. I, I'm just trying to understand, are, are we talking about, um, you know, I mentioned Gully Park earlier. I mean, I'm the Parks Department. Sure. You know, takes care of Gully Park. Right. Um, but this is a different kind of animal. It is. Um, and so are we uh, potentially talking about, you know, um, uh, an, an outside organization with arts kind of in its veins? Right. Uh, uh, Walton Arts Center, I'll just throw that out. Right. Not, not that I've, sure, I'm suggesting no. they're the ones. Right. I'm just saying that somebody like that might be in charge of the space in terms of the the day-to-day, week-to-week kind of activities there? Um, I, yes, I think those are, um, I'm just trying to figure out what to, to, I get excited when I talk about it, and so there's so much I want to say that i got to remember <laughs> to actually answer the question that, that you asked me. Um, Parks Department, I'll start there. Absolutely, they have a huge, significant role to play in this, and we likely couldn't do any of it without the Parks Department. So, I mean, the Parks Department at the city, that's huge. There's so many aspects of this and so much of this that is in their wheelhouse. Um, and yet, it is very different from anything that we have currently or anything current that their, you know, that their staff is engaged in now. Um, one of the things that's been mentioned um, and came up just last week in the in, um, steering committee meeting was the public library. And um, I look forward to having more conversations with um, their staff of like, hey, you know, the woods is right there. You're bringing online all this great programming with your expansion. Does it make sense that you sort of take you being the public library, that the public library um, take over some of that? I think that's a great option. I think it's one that should be evaluated and considered. I think we also have to think that maybe the organization that is in, in charge, again, I keep coming back to that phrase, of this space doesn't exist yet. Maybe that is a new organization that emerges um, from all these discussions. Um, Fayetteville doesn't have a downtown association. Um, do we need one? I can. I think there are several reasons that, um, several things that I could say that in support of why we do. Um, I know that there are also people that have been doing this work longer than me, have lived in Fayetteville longer than me, and have seen that um, attempt made and have seen it, you know, maybe not be as successful as, as they wanted it to be that I want to learn from and make sure I listen to. Um, but I think that's absolutely an option um, that maybe it is a, a new organization that's created that has um, characteristics of a downtown organization, but also a, um, um, an area there. You know, there's a new, um, our, uh, the, there's a new organization springing up that's a regional organization that um, um, is a Walton Family Foundation uh, funded um, regional arts uh, organization. They've hired a, a person, Allison Esposito. I've met her just briefly. Um, I know very little about what's coming online with that, but could that be exciting? Could that be something that has an impact or that we impact? Yes. 
Fayetteville Arts Council. I'm, I'm remiss that I have not mentioned the Fayetteville Arts Council yet, um, but they're also really the key um, to all of this. We're very, very lucky that we have an Arts Council now, um, chaired by Bob Stafford and, and um, Councilperson Marsh from Ward 1, who is their city council representative on the Arts Council. Um, they're active for the first time in a long time, and they want to do things, and they want to make an impact, and they want to do good work, and they've got good expertise. And so um, we really need to remember um, and keep them. I'm, I'm really working to make sure that I'm keeping them top, top of mind in the programming discussions I have. Okay. Well, I, I know over the next... I guess four years, uh, three three years, four years uh, while construction's going on and all, we'll have lots of opportunities to talk about various aspects of this. Um, uh, we should probably bring it to a close for today though. The, is, is there anything we haven't touched on that you feel like is, is critical for people to understand at this stage of developing our, our uh, soon to be renamed cultural arts corridor? Yes. So one thing that um, I think that, you know, is critical to mention is that um, oftentimes um, this is a big project and um, it is a lot of money. And I have not met one single person that works for the city or is on the city council or that serves on the arts council or for that matter, that's at um, Walton Arts Center or that's at Theater Squared or that's in my office at the A&P that doesn't remember that and that doesn't take that very seriously. I take it very seriously. Um, it feels like a huge responsibility and it should. And so everyone that I have countered throughout this process, um, and I think that's top down from Mayor Jordan because that's the expectation that he sets for us is that, um, we know that these these are taxpayer dollars and n nobody um, wants to play fast and loose with that. We know it's a responsibility and we know that we want to work hard to uh, make this exceed um, the expectations that people um, have for us. It's a big thing to do. And, um, and we also, I find, everyone involved in this project truly genuinely does want feedback. Um, Susan Norton at the city's the communications director works so hard to get everything on the speak up site, which if you go to the city website, which I don't want to tell you the wrong one, but if you go to the city of Fayetteville website and you know, there's a right on the homepage, there's a link to the speak up site and she works very hard to get all of the documents about the cultural arts corridor uploaded. Um, it, to pay attention to survey answers and to answer questions that people have. So if there's something that is concerning you as an individual citizen, call. Um, call me, um, call, you know, send us an email, go to the speak up site and, and, and give feedback. Because um, we do, it does matter and we do take it seriously. I think it's Fayetteville-AR.gov. Thank you. If, uh, I uh, agree. People want it to uh, go visit there and I think on the front page there's a there's a little a tile, I guess you would call it, that says yeah. speak up. And so that would be a location where you could do that. Molly, I appreciate you coming in today and visiting with us about this. We'll visit again sometime as, as things progress. Rusty, thanks for being here Glad as you. always. And thanks to you folks for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another one at 8 p.m.